Welcome to the Career Zone podcast, where each episode we spend some time focusing on something that's on students' minds right now. I'm your host, Rachel, Employability and Careers Consultant with the University of Exeter. You can catch up on all of our episodes by doing all of those subscribing and following things. We're on Spotify and iTunes. Okay, Kira, so thanks for joining us today. Do you want to just take a few minutes to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course, Rachel. Uh, So my name is Kira Riddy. I am currently a pupil barrister at Brown Jacobson in Exeter. I'm employed currently in the public law and regulatory sector. Excellent. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I'm looking forward to sharing all of your experiences with our students. So I think I wanted to start by asking you, what are the steps that you need to become a barrister? Because I know there's so much to it and I know a lot of our students find it quite overwhelming, as do I. Yes, so uh, it's slightly different to the solicitors route. It does branch off. So the first couple of steps are vaguely similar to the solicitors route anyway. But sort of in the first instance, it's things like A-levels. It doesn't particularly matter what A-levels. If you're interested in law already, then obviously that's great. And it's great to have that as a starting block before you move on. Then you need to do an undergraduate degree. So that can be absolutely anything again similar to a levels but if you then want to go on to do the solicitor's route or the barrister's route it has to be a law degree so following on if you didn't do a law degree you can do the gdl so that's basically a conversion course so say you did a history degree at undergrad and you then mm. thought i really want to be a barrister you can then utilize the gdl and that basically is a conversion course that gives you a law degree. So that's where it then stops the similarities between the the sort of trainee solicitor route and the trainee barrister route. And then you basically, whilst you are at undergrad, you join an inn of court. So all barristers are members of one of the four inns of court. So that's Middle Temple, Inner Temple, Gray's Inn and Lincoln's Inn. And you have to be a member of those throughout your entire career as a barrister, but you have to join that whilst you're at undergrad before you start the bar course. And that's basically where you can apply for scholarships, you can apply for assistance through those inns of court. Okay. And how do you become a member of an inn of court, if, if you that's the right term, if it is a membership? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's like an application form. So you have to have referees and you you basically submit that you are interested in becoming a, a member of the Inn of Court and that you plan on becoming a barrister. And following that, they'll go through a process where you whereby you'll become a student member and they'll utilise those references to make sure that you are who you are and that you're going to be doing uh, what you say you're going to be doing. So following with with that theme of of the inns of court they have an awful lot that they offer student members and you have to be involved with them sort of throughout your training to become a barrister Mm. so from undergrad you then go on to the bar course or you can do the bar course combined with a master's and whilst you're doing the bar course you have to attend things called qualifying sessions and you do those with your inn of court And you have to complete 12 of them before you're effectively allowed to be known as a barrister. So 
you do the bar course that's the the vocational training element a bit like the LPC for trainee solicitors and that gives you all of the advocacy skills the drafting skills that you need to do and then alongside that you do your qualifying sessions so they are things like meals they could be debates they could just be lectures um, and they're usually up at the inns of courts in London and and like I say you have to do 12 of those and then you can effectively be called to the bar is what it's known as okay and that's that's where you are you're called it's called to the bar and you have to have done the 12 sessions and the bar course and passed the bar course and that's at your inn of court and you are you sign the register of barristers and you are then known as effectively an unpracticing barrister at that point. Wow, so you've made it then. <laughs> I, I can't couldn't practice at that point. But yeah, that's that's when you are allowed to call yourself a barrister. Yeah. And then before you can practice, you have to do what is known as the dreaded element of this route, which is pupillage. Um, And pupillage is basically your work experience element of the training. And you do two six month periods. So they're called first six and second six. And your first six tends to be a shadowing six months. And this can be a firm or a chambers that offers pupillage. And then your second six months is you on your feet doing your first cases, but sort of more supervised by somebody within the firm or chambers. And then once you've done that, as long as you get offered tenancy, you can practice. Excellent. So then you are a barrister then. Yes, if you're fully fledged (laughs) with your pupillage and all the other steps you've just explained. Yes. Yeah, that's when you are actually a barrister. If you don't get offered anything at the end of pupillage, so tenancy wise, you have to do what's known as as a third six somewhere else until you effectively are offered tenancy to practice. Okay, and that's offered by the bar, is it? Uh, so that's offered by chambers, by chambers, um, okay. or firms that are offering pupillages for the year. I see. And just just as you were talking through all of that, I, I just had a few questions, if that's okay. I had a few students ask me about which institution they should do their professional qualification at. You yes. know, do, does it matter? Will it have an impact later on? So, so what would you say to that? So I I am already kind of biased with mine. So I did both my undergrad and the bar course with the University of Law. I found that they had just better reviews when it came to the bar course. Your alternatives are things like BPP and UE have similar courses as well. And across the country, there are other providers. I just found that it was taking the less stressful option for me by going with the University of Law because they provided things like your books and your course fees and that they had there seemed to be this sort of vocational institution rather than that of a university that that takes the academic route but it it doesn't have much of a a bearing when it comes to things like applications job Mm. prospects it's not looked at the same way as maybe your undergraduate university might be looked at. It's more a case of this understanding of the fact that the bar course is just universally 
known across the boards and that they all have good reviews and good standings when it comes to to those providers that are looking to hire people so they've now introduced the ins of court doing their own bar course okay um, that's something that I didn't do they hadn't had that as an option for me at the time uh, but it might be something that students would want to look into I can definitely say that the inns of court could be a really good place to do the bar course because it's your professional home as they classify it and it's where everybody has to be a member of anyway so you get the benefit of having very insightful people that that are there specifically because they want to be barristers. Yeah, so it sounds like the best advice is to make the decision based on you as an individual, what's best for you, and it it's not looked at in terms of job prospects. I think that's what stu- a few students that have asked me have, have been a bit concerned about, so that definitely offers some, some reassurance there. Okay, so I think there we've gone through the formal steps that you need to take to eventually become a barrister. But I also wanted to ask you, obviously, you're coming up to nearly completing your pupillage now. So you've you've nearly been through the whole process. And I almost wanted to talk about kind of, you know, expectation versus reality. We can read all of these steps that, that you need to go through on a website. But kind of now you've almost got through that process. What do you wish you'd known at the start of your journey? Yeah, I think there is there are so many different things that we don't take into consideration or just don't know because it's all new to us. And because as you as you've already heard, it it's not the most simple of routes to get into. So for me, I didn't have anybody that I knew as a legal professional or somebody that was interested in the profession to ask anything for. So I think I'd have really liked to have known lots of things like the statistics that you hear they like to splash the statistics out about how many pupil applications were made for pupillage versus uh, how many were actually available and it's really scary to see when you're at, at a young age and you're looking at going into the profession and I think knowing that whilst it's not going to be plain sailing it is something that is doable and it is attainable if you go through the steps and you work hard and that you you have those elements of attributions and things that that would succeed in the profession but just recognizing that there are the the scary statistics but that you can get there if you if you go through everything I think things like juggling the bar course alongside and and undergrad as well alongside working part-time or full-time for me I didn't have the opportunity to not work I I'd worked throughout secondary school college so I think for me it was knowing that whilst you can work if you want to it's a choice at the end of the day that it was going to be difficult and I don't think I had quite taken that into consideration and that there is the option of doing the bar course part-time if you know that you're going to be working alongside it to ensure that you're not overstretched and that you don't burn yourself out because the bar course is a lot and the expectation is they say on paper 42 hours a week 
but in reality you're looking at sort of 60 65 hours of just studying of researching and of preparation and if you then have part-time work alongside that it's just not attainable to try and ensure that you get everything done and whilst it is only 10 months and you know that you're going to get to the end of it burnout is very real and when you've paid lots of money to get to where you are with the bar course you've put in the 16 and a half grand out of your own pocket you don't want to mess it up because mm-hmm. you can't afford to to live along the other side of it and what probably feeds into that is this whole idea that you have to get to where you want to be very quickly and that it's it's norm, seen as normal to go straight from undergrad to doing the bar course to then you have to get pupillage straight away whereas I think knowing that you can take a break in between to gain experience or to save money is fine and nobody is going to look at that and go hang on a minute you didn't go straight from this to this to this and that it's not a problem to take a year off and to save and I think I wish I knew that that's the case and that I could have had that year to put money aside so that I didn't have to work whilst I was doing the bar course Mm. and a lot of that is just seems to be this misunderstanding of the legal profession that you have to get there very young and as quickly as possible but in reality pupillage is hard to get and it's very rare that you get it straight outside of the bar course. I think the average is between two and three years now to be able to get pupillage. So knowing that that is normal and that it doesn't matter how long it takes you, but that you have the opportunity to utilise that break in between for things like experience and that, that you can still then get to where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like on reflection, you you wish at the time you were probably on that journey and you thought you had to do everything, you know, straight away. Absolutely. But maybe on reflection, you wish you'd taken some time out to save some money to take the pressure off yourself when you were doing the bar course. Because even though you knew it was going to be hard, you maybe didn't hadn't appreciated just yeah. how much until you were in the moment with it. Yeah. And I think that, again, that probably then feeds into things like what could I have done earlier on? in my university time and at undergrad because there are things that if you are jumping straight into it you have to do and you have to do in in third year or in your final year that are going to cause a lot of stress and sleepless nights because you are worrying about finances and applications and scholarships and I think I wish that I'd have known what I could have done in say summer holidays once I'd finished third year to get Mm. more prepped on the bar course or that would have given me a head start knowing that oh well actually let's look at civil litigation procedures in a little bit more detail as some sort of bedtime reading over the course of the holidays or things like your qualifying sessions as soon as you're a member of the inn of court you can start the qualifying sessions whenever you want to so I wish I'd have gone up and got a couple in beforehand because it would have taken the stress off whilst I was actually doing the bar course and would have meant that I could then spend more time 
worrying and stressing about the bar course specifically and not how am I going to get in all of these 12 qualifying sessions so I think knowing knowing that there are things you can do earlier and and getting in mini pupillages and and getting in the experience is always going to be helpful and probably on the topic of experience is asking those that you meet that you see for help people that you've networked with that you've met on work experience placements employability professionals obviously they they are the best people to be able to utilize your lecturers they're all there to guide you and to help you with things that you need to do and processes that you've got to go through and most of the time they are either there to help you or legal professionals that might want to help you because they've been in a similar situation and I think making the most of those people is really helpful and will stand you in good stead going forward when it comes to things in the future and when it comes to then you helping people yourself. Absolutely yeah and I always say networking is a really powerful tool isn't it? Absolutely. Do you think that's something that you did, you know, you did utilise? Did you talk to your lecturers? Did you reach out to career support or what what are your thoughts on that now? So I'm, I'm still in contact with my bar course lecturers. So when I got to pupillage applications and this year, this last year gone to pupillage offers, I had two offers for pupillage. One was in a a self-employed set and one in in the employed firm that I'm in now and I was really conflicted at the time as to what I wanted to do so the first person I reached out to was my tutor uh, on the bar course and I had a couple of other lecturers who then reached out to me and I was then able to have discussions with and it made such a difference having somebody else that was impartial able to set out what what I knew I'd wanted years before and what I was interested in and to be able to give me sort of clarity so even if it's not for them to assist you with things like applications later on down the line they might be really helpful just in giving advice. So I think the message there is you know don't don't sort of sit in silence reach out and ask for help because people are, are always willing to help aren't they so yeah Absolutely. I think that, that's that's a really a really good piece of advice there and on that subject I'm just I'm sat here Kira, and I'm looking at my computer and I'm on the um, Chamber Student website and you've sort of referred already to some of the scary stats and I know we've spoken yeah. about this before and I can see I'm looking at a scary stat because I can see that in 2019-20 cohort there were 1,685 BPTC enrolments basically onto the professional yeah. course that the following year 2020-21 20, there were 435 pupillages yeah. And the applicants were th- uh, 3,000 annually, aren't they? Which is a scary stat. And I, yeah. I know that's something that you've told me before you were always thinking about. And I have students say that to me. And I just wondered, what would you say to students looking at Chambers student like I am now who really want to be a barrister? Yeah, so I think knowing that the st- statistics are there is great because you know that there are lots and lots of other people and I think knowing that at that stage when they are applying 
they're all in the same position with regards to what they've done bar course wise they've had to have done an undergraduate degree so you're on that playing field but what I think people should know is that they should take advantage of what gets them above that playing field and makes them stand out because somebody has to get the pupillage mm. and why shouldn't it be you why should it be somebody else and if you are able to put in reasons that they should hire you it doesn't have to be because you went to private school you got first and you went to Oxbridge it can be things like you've got lots of really great work experience in lots of different sectors or that for me I utilized the fact that I'd worked throughout all of my education and that I'd got lots of transferable skills from that and I think knowing that it's not always going to be about just having the top grades coming from the top university it is about having this wide breadth of skills that you are able to use as a barrister and that a lot of these places take into consideration when they're hiring you and that that's really important so knowing that yes whilst there are these really scary statistics it is doable and taking into consideration things like the pandemic there are going to be more people applying now after the pandemic because a lot of things were cancelled a lot of pupillages were withdrawn or backdated so knowing that yes it's going to be an even scarier statistic but it's still going to be doable you still have to keep trying listen to the feedback that you get and as long as you are moving further along in the process every year that's a bonus and at some point you will get to where you want to be. Absolutely that sounds like great advice to me and actually on that note I I wanted to finish by asking you what are your top tips for our aspiring barristers? Yep so I think for me um, probably the importance of networking comes very high on that list. I think knowing that networking has so many benefits for so many different people you are meeting people you're able to build your confidence you're able to build connections with people that you never know where you're going to see them again the legal profession is such a small profession especially if you're in areas like the southwest everybody knows everyone and you might come across that person again in six months time or six years time that they might be able to help you and you get so many skills just by having a discussion with somebody at a networking event, such as negotiating or just having a conversation that you're able to put an opinion across and that they are going to be really, really useful skills to move on with. And following that, noting down who you've met. So I think that you should take everything out of an experience as you possibly can and utilise it. So when you do an experience and you have work experience placements take away from it everything you can if you didn't enjoy it why you didn't enjoy it and you can utilize that in the future if you're ever asked well why don't you want to become a solicitor by a barrister oh well actually I did work experience in a solicitor's firm and I I really didn't enjoy it and I didn't enjoy it because of xyz and if you whilst you're doing that experience you note down who you meet who you have discussions with where they're from what you discussed 
if in the future you then want to utilize that in an application form or you just need some advice from somebody and you think oh actually I met this barrister a little while back maybe they could help me it's easier for you to make reference to that previous meeting and it makes you stand out and it makes you look as though you were really taking notice of what that person was saying to you so oh hi Rachel I'm not entirely sure if you remember me we met at an event six months ago how was your holiday to Barbados I remember you saying that that you were going away for a couple of weeks I just wondered if you were able to offer me some advice on how to become a barrister it's as simple as just taking those points so I would I would really utilize that as much as possible and then following on from that taking notes all the time so if you're at a work experience placement take a notebook everywhere you go and write everything down that you saw any events that happened who you met and and then follow back on that and utilize that when it comes to things like applications because it's a lengthy process trying to become a barrister and you forget things as does everybody and when you want to then refer to things it's hard if you're trying to go off pure memory but if you've got this notebook and you can go oh actually I wrote down when I went to Plymouth County Court to sit in on this trial and now I can look back on it and reflect and and then I think probably finally would be thinking about your own experiences because at the end of the day we are all different people that have had a variety of different experiences be that that you you've been to Oxbridge or you've been to your local school and your local university but that you should take from that all of the skills and experiences that you've gained and that those skills are always going to be useful take the working point you've worked part-time to you it might be well I haven't had chance to do work experience because I was working part-time but you should look at it in a different way of what transferable skills can I take from that I've learned to juggle working part-time in a bar with doing my undergraduate degree doing long hours that involve lots of different types of things and I've been able to effectively juggle that as well as communicating with customers and having responsibilities like locking up a building and cashing up a lot of these things come to those transferable skills that are used as a barrister so I think having that there and noting that your experience is always going to be useful but it's what you make of it yeah absolutely and I'm so glad Kira you mentioned transferable skills because as a careers consultant I'm always talking about transferable skills and I think it's really important isn't it as you say to to know know what your own skills are and what you've gained from your experiences and as you said they're all we're all different we've all got different experiences but you if you really want to be a barrister you've kind of got to really do some research and have some experience so you know what skills are going to be required so that you can show that insight in the examples that that you give 
Absolutely. So even if you you contact somebody that you met on a networking event or you've had a careers event at university and you ask them, what would you consider are the relevant transferable skills? Have it come from the horse's mouth to, to tell you what they, they consider they use skills wise every day in what they do. And then you're able to reflect on that and you're able to pick up how those skills relate to your your everyday even if it's not oh well I did a two-week mini pupillage in a top set in in a a London chambers it's actually I worked at wherever or I used to travel two hours a day to get to college they all show different skills and different resiliences that you're able to then say well actually this is why I would make a good barrister Yes, they do. And it's about communicating that clearly, isn't it, as an applicant? Absolutely. OK, well, thank you so much, Kira, for your time. I think those this conversation is going to be invaluable to our students who are hoping to go on a similar journey to yourself. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Kira's podcast. There's actually an amendment to some of the content of the podcast, a, a very small point at the start, and it's for any aspiring solicitors. So Kira mentions that if you want to go on to be a solicitor or a barrister, you have to do a law degree. And if you didn't do a law degree, then you'll have to do a conversion course. Now, this is still true if you want to be a barrister, you are required to do a conversion course. However, if you want to be a solicitor, there's actually been a change since the introduction of the SQE in September 2021. So with this introduction, technically for our aspiring solicitors, if you did a non-law degree, you're not required to do a conversion course. However, we recommend that you do check with your shortlisted firms to see what their preference is in the first instance before making any decisions. You'll also see in the written paragraph that I've linked to an article with Law Careers Net where you can find out more information. This was the Career Zone podcast brought to you by the University of Exeter Career Zone. Check out iTunes and Spotify to keep up with all of our regular releases. And if you'd like us to cover something else in another episode, just send us a message, hashtag CareerZonePodcast at UOE Careers on Twitter or at UOE Career Zone or at UOE Cornwall Career Zone on Instagram and we'll follow up in one of the next episodes.